and welcome back to another, maybe last episode of the Change Officer podcast on this year's STEP conference. And for our last episode, we have a special guest, Maha from EY, finally on the Change Officer. We've been trying to get you on the show for so long. You were avoiding us, refusing to come, and finally here you are only because our dear friend MP pushed you to do it. I had no idea. <laughs> I just discovered this right now, but okay, I'll, I'll pretend like it's true. <laughs> We're going to do a special session. Mm-hmm. We have two co-hosts, co-host of the Change Officer Maha and co-host Vuk. And we're just going to exchange some ideas, uh, rapid fire questions, and just um, wrap up this, this nice series that we produced on the STEP conference. Maha, what's your like, biggest takeaway now when you look back on these two days here? There's some interesting things happening. All right. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, ambition and hope for the future, especially in this region. And that ambition is contagious. So mm-hmm. I think one of the key things about attending these events is just meeting like-minded people. It's not necessarily about the information that's passed down. It's more about the people that are attending and who you're talking to. It is. What, what, are, you, what are your takeaways? You've, ta- you've spoken to a lot more people than I have, I think. Yes, and I'm, I always regret... Like I feel very grateful and blessed that I have the opportunity to talk with people on the show. So many of them, especially because people, when they are in front of cameras and in the podcast, they know they have to talk. So you don't have to ask a lot. They talk. They open up and they give you their best. So that's great because you, you get a chance to immediately get a 20 minutes of, of really a true conversation. Um... My takeaway, and I'm going to leave step with the general impression that this rapid, fast-paced change that we went through over the previous two years is not going to calm down. (laughs) And that this is the new normal. Um, I have a good idea of where the future opportunities for this region and in general, business-wise. And that's what I'm kind of trying to get out of the change office to really understand whether, where, where are those future opportunities and be ready for them. Um, and I'm not feeling alone anymore. In I have this feeling that, 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 that I'm a dinosaur who, who is just not uh, um, up-to-date with everything that's going on technology-wise. And I'm coming from software background. Yeah. And I'm surrounded with all these new trends, and I feel like, what's going on? Like, am I still qualified enough? <laughs> so uh, apparently, I'm, I'm not the only one. A lot of people feel like that. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving step with ease. So yeah, but I didn't have a chance to go to any of the stages and, and hear any, any of the talks because I was just talking here <laughs> all the time. Well, you might have actually gained a different, more, I don't know if it's more, but deeper value in that sense, potentially. Yeah. I'm curious, so now you know where you're going to be investing your money? Well, I know where I'm going to be investing my time, primarily. Yeah. Which is more important, I Which think. Which is, yeah. And money, I guess, will follow as well. But, but yes, I, I kind of have an idea. Yeah. Um, I was curious, you mentioned something about, about realizing that you're not the only one who feels like you have a firm grasp on all this sure. technology. 
do we need to? Well, yes, I guess that's the the when when we are caught off guard and rapidly surrounded by huge amount of information, hype, trends, and this fast-paced rhythm that we are all living in. I think we are all just caught up. Oh, what's going on? And then we fall into this trap of feeling that maybe we need to be as well on top of it. We need to catch up. Which yeah. It's also a conclusion that doesn't necessarily mean that you should if you don't want to, if that's not your call. I think that because of the hype that is happening and this technological progress, many underestimated or uh, marginalized businesses through successful profit-making traditional businesses. Yes. Right? Bakers. Right? Yeah, yeah, the corner store. The corner stores, right? Uh, the factory the, that makes the caps on top of the plastic bottles. Yes, yes. Maybe not plastic, but yeah, some other ones. Reusable bottles. <laughs> Reusable plastic. But yeah, I think we, 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 we just need to um, take, take the most out of it. Obviously, technology can improve lives, um, but the life as is will continue to, you know, uh, exist and evolve in, in its normal, natural way. There are aspects that we need to put more focus on when it comes to our future and sustainability and you know just protecting what we have around us. But we should just nurture ourselves, um, people around us. And one more thing, and that's my conclusion, and I can see that people share the same opinion. Um, we, over the previous couple of decades, because of technology, the output that we as individuals are producing exponentially grew. Yes. All right. So what our dear friend Henry Ford established long time ago, this eight-hour shift, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Does not, no. no. <laughs> what, they, what people were outputting at the time for those eight hours, average human now outputs in, in two hours. All right, we're not talking manufacturing necessarily and some of the you know, uh, 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 roles that, that simply take time. But in general, we are so much more productive and our output is exponentially like higher. Yeah. Why are we still working eight hours a day? 100%. I'm on the same page with you on that. And, and what's ironic is I was reading something. I'm really bad at remembering names. But I was reading something a while back about an economist sometime, I think, in the 20s that was predicting that by our time 2020 we would all be working a few hours a week and everything else would be automated and that the whole onset of um, of automation and technology would mean that we would work less which doesn't seem to have happened and the conclusion of that article was that we'd created more middle management roles that don't really require that amount of work or effort or whatever you know I don't know if that's true or not that was the opinion of the author but I do feel like I could condense what I do in a certain way and maybe do a four, a four hour work a four, four day work week four hour four work hour. week <laughs> four hour. is Tim Ferriss in the back <laughs> right? of your mind maybe <laughs> another hundred years from now who knows but um, yeah I mean the whole idea that Charger right now is piloting the the three-day weekend 
Yeah. And which uh, is, I think, like really okay. Why not? Like truly. And and you mentioned four-hour work week, and I read the book recently. Not sure if you read the book. Four-hour no. work week is actually a book oh, written really? by Tim Ferriss. Okay. Where he explains this concept of building a designing a life where you have to literally work four hours a week for 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 uh, for whatever you you want to achieve in life now okay that's maybe radical um i'm on board with that that would be ideal that would be right <laughs> that would be ideal not where i work right now but one yeah. day yeah of course not where you're working right now absolutely we're not talking about that at all now but what we are talking about is you start your day mm -hmm. with this set shift of eight hours mm -hmm. and no matter how much work you have on your plate you're going to work for eight hours so regardless of the fact that you can finish your work in one hour literally you are going to take eight hours to finish that yeah so the point is optimizing your time and if i were to tell you tomorrow you have a plan for your day mm -hmm. maha i need you after 12 but I still need you to take care of all of the stuff that you need to take care of. You and 100% of other people would manage to finish the same load of work in those four hours. Yes. They would be focused. They wouldn't spend time on, on, on irrelevant stuff. They wouldn't try to multitask and just be inefficient. So, yeah, we're ready for some major shifts and changes. I think the biggest obstacle to our own shift and changes and I see this a lot with my own work because I, I work with innovation culture it's our basic human resistance to change we don't like change our brains are wired uh, in a certain way they're used to firing in a certain way and whether it's changing your diet changing your habits quitting smoking even though you know it's bad for you whatever it is we resist change and if it comes to changing the way we work or changing the way we behave or our natural instinct is to change, is to resist the change, I think simply because it exerts more effort mentally. That's true. What do you think is the next big change that is going to happen and create great new opportunities? And then I will leave, leave it at you to define what an opportunity is. But what would you say would be the next big change and shift that will happen? In which space? From a tech perspective? Well, from like, how, how do you describe change? What is change for you? Like when I say change, what, it, what is the first thing you think of? When I think of change, I think of change, behavioral changes. Okay. Um, on a mass scale. Okay. So... The optimist in me would like to think that the next big change is going to be regarding sustainability. Whether it's the, the, the small things that we do in our life that will have a larger impact overall. But we, I think a lot of people will agree that we're already starting to see this shift. It's become a lot more acceptable. It's nowhere near where it should be, but it is getting there. It is moving in that direction. Um, but I think we'll also start focusing on the actions that really make a difference versus um, unorganized, right? It's going to become more a part of our life, the way we do things. It'll be taken almost for granted in a way where it's like, of course we're not using single-use plastic. That's archaic. That's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
I, I have a, <laughs> I have a vegetarian friend of mine um, who once posted something along the lines of, uh, "Can you imagine a hundred years from now, people are going to say, can you believe they used to eat animals?'" <laughs> yes, I heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. And in a way, I kind of see that happening, even though I'm not vegetarian myself. But I can see that happening in the sense, if you've watched um, my octopus teacher. Oh. <gasps> you watched it. That's probably one of the most fascinating, beautiful movies, documentaries I ever saw in my life. I haven't been able to eat octopus since. <laughs> yeah. No, it's really like. Yeah, I mean, when you realize how intelligent they are as so we creatures, need to, we need to produce a movie for each animal. For each animal, that's it. That's all you have to do. But it made me really think about the impact of art on changing behavior, mm. and that is probably the best way to do it: is to tell stories. The impact of storytelling on behavioral change. Yeah, have you watched the movie Don't Look Up? Yeah. Yeah. I oh mean, my God. Different angle, but but again, very strong message. Very strong message. And I was amazed how many people were pointing. They didn't get it. Yeah, they didn't <laughs> get it. They were saying like the the acting was poor, like the production was this and the production was that. Like, guys, are you not getting the message of the movie? Like, is it? I thought I thought it was all brilliant, even. The little subtle dark humor, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. things that were put in there. Um, my husband and I were cracking up. We it were laughing all the way through. It was absolutely amazing. But it was also extremely dark humor. Maybe that's why um, not everyone got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think that really reflects the state of many uh, countries. Yes. Uh, the systems that are in place. Yes, and and it you can apply it to climate change. Mm. You can apply it to so many other parallels where people are just sticking their head in the ground refusing to see yeah. the reality of a situation short-term gains exactly for short-term gains or even just for for believing what the quote-unquote official mm. story is mm. whatever that official story is i think we've a lot of people it's more comfortable to kind of check out their individual um Uh, autonomy and decision making for for um, I think we have we have something like that in Arabic where it's kind of like take away that responsibility so it's not your fault if it goes wrong mm. you know what something crossed my mind and I, I didn't hear it so far and, and I think it's a big problem um, and I heard disruption of financial services fintechs mm -hmm. disruption of healthcare disruption of agri agriculture, disruption of education, disruption of food waste management. What about media? Um, how do you find a way to consume relevant, precise information? How do you get informed so that you can form the opinion? And to consume consciously. Yes. I think we, we still kind of have that old school mentality of whatever is given to us as news, regardless of the source, is true. And if we see something as a video, then it's true. We, we are not taught to think about context, about um, the, the ability to have two parallel truths that are just two different perspectives. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I am, I'm, I really struggle consuming 
like global worldwide information and forming opinion because I lost trust in every single source. 100%. There's always an agenda. There is always some an agenda and media is being heavily used to manipulate. But is that new? It's not new, but is it ready for, for a change? And how do you change that? I think people thought that with the onset of social media, then you have what is called citizen reporters mm -hmm. or citizen news, and that's how you um, disrupt uh, our source of information. But I think what's coming out over time is that with um, algorithms and um, censorship and different ways of blocking things out, I think we're realizing that that's not really the case. We're becoming a Joe Rogan show again. Sorry? <laughs> we're becoming a Joe Rogan show. Yeah, right? <laughs> that, that's not what we want over here. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is over here is just that mm, it's easy to kind of, we, we all want to trust someone, right? We yeah. all—it's the issue. The issue is an issue of trust. We all want to trust the source of our food that it's mm -hmm. clean, organic, healthy. We want to trust that the source of our—that um, whatever we're investing in is is a good company. We want to trust that the people we deal with are trustworthy people. I think I'm a bit of an optimist over here, where I think our natural inclination is towards trust, unless we're heavily it damaged, yeah. right? But our natural—if you—if you, if you uh, read what is it, talking to strangers. Mm -hmm. Um, the, there's some really good topics over there around our inclination towards trust and trusting people who look like us or behave like us and all this stuff. It's part of human behavior. Um, there's a mass disillusionment, I think, with sources of news, specifically because they're so inflammatory, contradictory. Um, what's happening right now is like clickbait, right? The whole idea of clickbait and, and, and the importance of the number of clicks or the number mm. of views versus long-form journalism, which is almost a dead art at this mm. point. I don't have any answers for that, but I would love to see a disruption in that space. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it would look like. Uh, one of the ideas that we've had actually was um, around using blockchain to secure sources of information. Mm. But that doesn't solve the problem that the owner of the information, are they truly, source. the source of the, of the information, are they truly objective? True. Do they have an agenda or not? What is the story yeah. they're trying to push? We're all humans. I think it's almost impossible for humans to be completely agendaless, mm. just by nature of who we are. Well, that's true as well. Yeah. yeah. And how most of the political systems are like built and established it's impossible no not even politics everything yeah. like um, if I want to sell you something yeah um, the, the whole and, and actually our dear friend Joe Joe like <laughs> big respect man uh, what, what, they, what they talked about in one of the episodes is how we are all trapped in this race and that race comes from literally like unions of countries countries Enterprises within those countries, small companies within those enterprises, all the way to the individuals. We are all in one pyramidal race. And we are all just forced to perform better and perform better. This is never going to end. Absolutely never. It's just a question whether some individuals or you personally are ready to unplug and, and, and go on your own. 
Exactly. And at one point, maybe there will be more and more people who are actually going on their own, and technology will be able to enable that in this whole decentralized approach, gig economy, and set will possibly help. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I wonder <laughs> when I when I attended the the session on mm. uh, data privacy. Mm. I was just like, man, I just want to delete all my social media accounts, <laughs> yeah. live in some island off the middle of nowhere, <laughs> you know, like, just simply because it makes you realize how vulnerable you are with all your information out there. And it's, it's that kind of a thing. How much do we choose to put of ourselves out there? How much do we want to participate? How little do we want to participate? I know somebody who's any kind of digital existence of his is, is fake. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. um, because he's super. Pa- I I think of him as paranoid, but I don't know. Maybe he just knows something I don't know about. Um, but I I love that all these topics come up and that we're able to think about them. Mm. And we don't necessarily have to have the answers. We just need to be aware that this is a space that needs disruption, or we would like to see change in. And then how can we? be agents of change just with the small actions because if everybody changes mm. everybody starts with a small action you know if everybody cuts down their meat consumption to once a week that's already a huge change, a huge change you don't yeah. have to go that's vegetarian. a very big deal yeah yeah <laughs> right um and even i i think i'm just gonna bring this in over here because i'm from the region and um i'm i'm muslim so one of the common topics let's say on the topic of vegetarianism is they'll say oh no this is not part of the religion and that's not true okay no. so if you want to look at antidotal evidence um, there are plenty of stories about the prophet peace be upon him that says that he did not light a fire in his house except once every 40 days mm. which means not only was he, was he vegetarian he was raw mm. right um, yeah so so there, there was nothing that said I mean there's there's Nothing that said you shouldn't eat meat, but there's no encouragement yeah. of eating meat. You know, and again, I'm not a vegetarian. I just like to debate these topics from a let's not overconsume, let's not overuse, let's not lose ourselves. Everything in moderation. There's this great question that previously mentioned Tim Ferriss asked on his show and in the book. If you had the chance to put the message on a large billboard next to the road that will be seen by millions, tens of millions of people, what would that message be? You are what you eat. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. In all honesty, it would probably be something around um, kindness whether it's kindness to yourself, kindness to others, kindness to the planet, just the idea of being conscious and kind mm. with and intentional with whatever it is you do. And uh, we have this word in Arabic called niya. Mm-hmm. And um, the niya is your intention. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of um, verses and conversations around how your niya is what matters the most. Your intention is what matters the most because that is what takes you where you're going big <laughs> any last words before we uh, wrap up this session something that you want to the message that you want to send to the change officer audience you tell me I mean I told you what my billboard message is what's yours my message would be nobody ever asked me this 
I am the one asking question, but I I accept you as a co-host, so I give you the answer. I would say, be humble. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the things I appreciate the most in people is humbleness. Mm-hmm. No matter who you are, what you do, what you achieved, you stay humble. I'm on board with that. Be kind and stay humble. Guys, thanks for tuning into this special session that went really well. Maybe we can start a separate track of the change officer where we just get together and then, <laughs> and then have, and a coffee. <laughs> have a coffee and talk like this. Thank um, you. Thanks, Maha, for coming. I hope that you enjoyed this first experience on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, I did. It's weird hearing my own voice in my head. Yeah, you get used to it, right? Mm-hmm. You should do this more often. Maybe you should host your own show. I have the time. If we go back to our four-hour work week, I'd do that. <laughs> let's let's uh, work on that off off record. Um, thank you, guys. Thanks a lot for tuning in, for following us. It's a wrap for Step Conference series. See you next year. Until then, have a great day and uh, be kind and be, be humble. humble. <laughs>